Welcome to the Friday Night Clive podcast with me, Clive Payne. In this podcast, we look back at the amazing charities, organisations and people we have chatted to over the past few months, all of whom have interesting and important stories to tell. Now, how would you react or respond to someone who collapses in front of you? How many of us would know how to give CPR or use a defibrillator? This month, another free training session is being offered for people who want to learn and boost their knowledge of how to help and how to use these devices and how to administer CPR. To tell me more about this, I caught up with Councillor Adam Davies this morning and I began by uh, by asking him why this training was being offered. Well, there's a, there's a short answer and there's a long answer, really, Clive. Uh, the short answer is because the more people who know how to deliver CPR and are confident using the defibrillator, the more lives that can be saved. Um, What's the long the, answer? The long answer, the long answer, yes. Um, it, it's based on that, but it's that without going into all the details, which will be covered on the night by the fantastic uh, Andy James and Paul Grove who are delivering it, um, when somebody suffers a cardiac arrest, that means that their hearts just stop beating suddenly. And of course, that means that the oxygenated blood that we've all got going around our bodies, that our organs need to function, that our brain needs, um, that that stops. So that crucial moment in time when that happens, if if people around that person who suffered the cardiac arrest and step up, deliver, uh, jump on, give CPR as soon as possible, and that's the crucial part here, that we know that that gives that person a greater chance of surviving. And there's a fantastic graph on the website of Dudley Community First Responders, who hopefully we'll talk about a bit later on. Um, But it shows that if a person who suffers a cardiac arrest is given CPR within the first minute of having that cardiac arrest, they've got a 66% chance of survival. They've got a two-thirds chance of surviving if somebody can give CPR in that first minute. If five minutes pass it goes down to a 44% chance of survival, so now less than half. And if, say, 13 minutes pass, they're down to a 1% chance of survival. So, of course, that shows you that if people around that person who suffered the cardiac arrest can have that confidence to act quickly, have done a course like the one we'll be running next Tuesday, then that can genuinely help save people's lives. Now, of course, CPR stands for cardiopulmonary resuscitation. How easy in your experience, because this isn't the first time that you've, ru- you've had a part in running these, these workshops, from what you've seen and you've experienced yourself, how easy would you say it is to carry it out? Actually, Clive, it's not the first. Uh, it's the third one. That, um, that's what, I, that, that's what I was saying. It's, it's, it's not the first time you've done it, is oh, it? Oh, it's not the first time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. It's, it's the third one we've done now. Um, and I suppose, yeah, I can. I, I think for that reason, I can speak with how I thought, um, what I thought about CPR before we ran the first session back in 2021 and what I think now. Back then, I knew very little about it. Uh, like most members of the public, I'd heard about it. I thought it's something... In my head, I'd like to think I could have a go if I needed to in the moment. Um, but yeah, you, you go along to this session, you, you hear from the professionals, from Westman's Ambulance Service and Dudley Community First Responders, um, and they explain to you how you do it. And there isn't, there's clearly a better way of doing it and a worse way of doing it. And that's why the training's good, because it helps people know the key things that you really can try and focus on. Um, but it's, it's crucially about having a go. And there are two things that I look at it that are really difficult with CPR or, or two 
challenges, barriers that people need to get across. One is the mental switch in your head that says, you know what, I'm going to do it, I'm going to have a go. Uh, and that's a big one for a lot of people. Mm-hmm. And then with CPR, there's the physical challenge because it is intense. Thankfully, I've never had to do it. But as people know, and I think you've covered it on the show before, Clive, um, in Briley Hill, we, a couple of years ago, we had somebody at the Moore Centre. She suffered a cardiac arrest. The local butcher, Gordon, he had that mental switch I've just mentioned. He said, I'm going to try. I'm going to try and deliver CPR. I've never had training, uh, but I'm going to try. And then he jumped on and he started giving the lady CPR. Because he was going, going so, um, you know, such a physical thing that you have to do to give it, uh, there was a local student nurse passing by, Olivia Hansen. She said she could help. And so between them, they then delivered that CPR. So if there is a physical element to it as well, quite a strong physical element with CPR. Um, but defibrillators, which, again, we'll come on to hopefully, um, it's, a, it's a different story where there isn't that physical element to it. But there is still that mental switch that we really could do with people having the confidence to think, yes, I can deliver CPR, yes, I can deli- I can use a defibrillator in this emergency situation. It's also important to point out that in that, that situation that you were, you were explaining uh, about Gordon at the Butchers, the CPR uh, that was delivered there was successful, wasn't it? It was, it was. The lady survived, um, and I'm trying to remember exactly what time of year it was. No, it was June, actually. I was going to say she got to spend Christmas with the family, but I suppose, yes, in the same sense she did, she... You know, when you think about saving someone's life, you have to think about all those special things that they will then go on to, you know, do with the rest of their their year and their life with their family. And I think that was something that absolutely touched Gordon, speaking with him at the time, that hit him, that after he did that, that lady went on to, um, to, to, to live and to spend time and doing what the rest of us like to do when we're living and um, enjoying life. So, yeah, it is really, really important. Now, of course, this came on to... Um campaigning and funding for a defibrillator in the Moore Centre and from what I'll come on to to that in in a second but in your experience from the training that that you've taken part in and observed as you say this is the third or fourth go at it um, what's your experience and your thoughts about defibrillators because there are a lot of urban myths around about them yeah I mean actually and you could, I suppose we could spend the whole uh, show talking about those myths, but I suppose the one that I would try and bust straight away is that it's complicated, and because that that is a myth, um, because the, the brilliant thing is with these defibrillators, and again, we'll cover this at the session next week, the machine actually talks to you. Mm. So once, you, once a person takes that machine out of the cabinet, switches the machine on, it gives instructions, uh, loud instructions, it then allows you to go through the process of what to do step by step and crucially and i think a lot of people like to know this uh, to make sure they're not doing more harm than good once attached to a person uh, the pads and the defibrillator will only deliver a shock if the heart's rhythm needs that or the lack of rhythm if the heart needs that so if the person is passed out for a different reason and their heart's not gone into cardiac arrest um, then the machine simply won't deliver that shock. So you, you won't actually do more harm than good. And I think that's the, perhaps the two myths to bust. One, they aren't complicated to use. Second, you can't do more harm than good because it simply won't give the shock if the person's body doesn't need it. So 
you've now got a defibrillator in the Moore Centre. How accessible are other defibrillators around the community? Because there's one in Briley Hill, thankfully. Um, but, you know, how can we find out where they are and, um, you know, what's your understanding of that? Yeah, sure. So it's not actually the Moore Centre where we've got one. Um, it's just over the road uh, attached to Briley Hill Market. So it's directly in the high street, really easy, accessible location. Um, we've also got one down attached to the police station in Briley Hill Civic Hall. That was the first one we managed to get, um, thanks to the support of a charity, the Henry Angel James Memorial Trust. So we've got one down at the Civic in the police station. We've then managed to get one in the high street, and we did some fundraising for that. Had the support of Alan White Butchers, which are based on the Moore Centre. They made a really nice, helpful contribution. And so we have those two in the town itself. We also have one right at the other end of the town, attached to Nine Locks Community Centre um, in the Chapel Street Flats Estate. Um, and then more broadly, once you're outside of Briley Hill Town Centre, we've actually got more and more cropping up, particularly at local pubs, um, which is quite quite handy. Um, <laughs> and and uh, so there's... there's defibrillators in cabinets on walls outside pubs. I know the government also gave primary schools across the country an opportunity to get one funded for every single primary school. So our local primary schools have them too. And most of them are registered on what's called the circuit. So it's an online network, uh, which Westminster Ambulance Service, their systems are tied in with it. So if somebody calls 999 and says, such and such person has just had a cardiac arrest in front of me. Is there a defibrillator nearby? The ambulance service quickly look on the circuit and they will say, yes, there's one such and such here. It's only two minutes away from where you are. Um, you know, somebody start delivering CPR if you can or somebody else goes and gets the defibrillator. Um, so that's generally how it works. But even though we've now got more defibrillators around, we still need more in the right locations because there are gaps. And... Um I mean, you've made the point there um, a moment ago that these are very, very easy to use because they talk to you. They are in the public domain. They are on walls, as you said. They're in flats. They're in, in public places where they're very, very easily accessible. Um, and if they were never designed to be used by untrained people, they wouldn't be there. So the point we're making here is that you, I, anybody else can use them. Absolutely. That is a... And you've summarised it brilliantly. We, we can do. You don't have to be trained. Um, you don't have to be a, a medical professional. Uh, obviously, uh, training can help, though. And that's why I always talk about people having confidence. Because going back again to Gordon, who had never had any training, so that made it even more special what he did because he'd never had any training, but he decided to have a go. Um, and that was crucial and helped save that lady's life. Um, so there's an example of when you don't need the training, but at the same time, Gordon actually has been to the last two of these sessions as well, um, the one we ran just after what he did and then last year's. Um, so I'm sure that even somebody like that who was willing to have a go without training, the training helps because it gives you that confidence and people who might not otherwise have the confidence by coming to this session, uh, it's an hour and a half long, won't take a hell of a lot of time out of your week, but it can give you that bit of confidence to to actually do what you want to do. Because I always think that most of us in that situation, we like to think we would act and we would try and give CPR, but you just need something, that bit of, uh, 
that bit of training knowledge that sometimes will make people actually uh, do it. So where will the training take place and when? So the training is next uh, week at Briley Hill Civic Hall. We've run it there for the past three years now and they provide the venue and we're grateful to them for that. Um, it's at the Civic Hall, starts at 6.30, ends at 8 o'clock. Mm-hmm. Um, we are asking people to book online beforehand if they can, but they don't have to. Um, people can't access the internet or struggle with a form or anything. It's a nice, simple form, but if they struggle, they can just turn up on the night. But it does help us plan numbers uh, if people can book online beforehand. So what date is it actually, Adam? Yeah, so it's Tuesday the 14th of November. Right, so next Tuesday. And who's going to be delivering this training? I think you mentioned Andy a second ago, but you better give him a shout-out. Yeah, absolutely. Um, so myself and my wall colleague, Councillor Loop, who we've organised this, will just be given a short opening to the session. Um, but the actual training is delivered by a brilliant chap called Andy James from West Midlands Ambulance Service, another great chap called Paul Grove from Dudley Community First Responders. Uh, they've obviously got the... Uh, training to deliver the training and uh, that they do it as part of um their day jobs as well so they they deliver the session in a really good easy to understand way they demonstrate the machines um we have a bit of a laugh as well um you know it's, it's not while we're doing a serious thing it is good to have a, a light-hearted side to it as well and andy and paul are really good at delivering that in a way that's easy for people to understand now, you mentioned West Midlands Ambulance Service a moment ago, but tell me more about Dudley Community First Responders then. Yeah, so they're a local charity who all volunteers, none of them are paid, um, and what it is, they are on call and they serve a certain amount of hours each month where they're on call to help um, in an emergency if they can get somewhere before an ambulance. And I think actually, I haven't got the stats off the top of my head, but on average, I think they get there about five minutes before an ambulance. Um, we're actually really looking in the West Midlands that our ambulances have got a really good response time. Um, but these Dudley Community First Responders volunteers, they get there even before that. And of course, again, going back to those stats about how every minute counts and increases uh, the likelihood of someone surviving a cardiac arrest, the work of the Dudley Community First Responders gives people a better chance at, at surviving. Now, a lot of the training that, that you that you receive at these sessions, you can't do it on real live human beings. Um, and you're, you're practising on, on what uh, I think they call a resusciani. Um mm-hmm. Just tell me about that. Yeah, so um, people have probably seen them over the years, um, but they're a doll and they've actually been around quite a long time now. Um, and uh, what they are, they, they help simulate the experience of giving CPR or... Uh, mouth-to-mouth to a real person um, but it's a good way to practice because you don't have to you don't have that worry oh might I break their ribs might I this might I that um, so the actual doll you can give uh, you can give uh, mouth-to-mouth breaths on it obviously it gets clean for every, between every person and, and I think they can clean all the parts um, the chest has a feel like like the human chest would and it allows people to have that chance of practicing so then if and when you might need to do it in an emergency. Um, again, people have had that experience, so it's not such a shock. But it's an interesting thing, Clive. I only found this out recently, actually. Um, the Michael Jackson song, Smooth Criminal. Mm-hmm. Uh, the line in there that says, Annie, are you okay? Yes. Apparently, that is 
but that is based on the Rosusianis. I and never knew that. I never did as well. It's something I've only found out recently. Um, but yeah, so everybody, there you go. Think of that in your head. Annie, are you okay? It's all about resuscitation, CPR, um, and uh, yeah, just a random little bit of trivia. <laughs> well, when it goes quiet in the pub, in the quiz or something like that, you can lob that in one and uh, get some extra points, can't you? That's it, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> um, so just remind me of the date again then. Yep, so it's Tuesday the 14th of November, mm -hmm. starting at 6.30pm, so if you can get there just before, ready to start at 6.30, and the session should end around 8pm. And that's in Briley Hill Civic, and where can we go to uh, to register our interest and book online? Yep, so we've got a website that we've set up uh, where people can book online. The website is tinyurl, so it's tinyurl.com mm -hmm. slash bhdfib. Uh, tinyurl.com slash bhdfib and just pop your details in there uh, it's not a long form but it's just so we can get basically to help us know how many chairs we need to set out on the night um, and just to help andy and paul so they know how big a group they'll be delivering the session to and um, so please do try and book online if you can but if you can't go online for any reason don't worry you can still just turn up on the night Councillor Adam Davies, thank you very much for talking to Friday Night Live. That is your lot for this episode. You can catch the programme live every Friday night on Black Country Radio from 6 o'clock p.m. And if you like our podcast, please subscribe by heading to blackcountryradio.co.uk forward slash podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts from. See you very soon. This is a Black Country Radio podcast presented by me, Clive Payne, and produced by Andy Caddick.